Amen. You ready to get in the word this morning? Amen. How many people were here last week? If you're here last week, if, if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to go online and check the and check the message out because it kind of it kind of keeps us going with where where we're, where the really the Lord's put them, our hearts to one of my heart as a pastor to take us as a church because this year is what a year of what marvels wonders and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. You know, and so if it's that type of year, and that's what we're believing God for, also as your pastor, the Lord said, this is also a year marked by great victories, marked by great victories. And so a few weeks back, started a series called We Overcome. Say, We Overcome. overcome. Amen. And and with that, We Overcome, we've been going out of a scripture in Revelations. I'm not going to have you turn there this morning, but I do want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I'll get there in a moment. We overcome. Now, this was out of Revelations, and the Lord spoke to my heart about this, about we overcome. And it's based on Revelation chapter 12, and it says that we overcome him. Talking about the accuser of the brethren. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. What, what's so important about the blood of the Lamb? One it says faith in the blood of the Lamb is what made us righteous. Amen. And if we've been made righteous, that means that we've been put in a position to rule and reign with him. Amen. Say we overcome. I want you to realize that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you were put into position to overcome every and any attack of the enemy. You, you were born to win. You know, here at Heritage of Faith, we are all about making winners in life. Why do we exist as a church? The Lord spoke to Miss Carolyn 20 years ago. You know, you know, there's hurting people outside your walls. I want you to love them for me. And what are we called to do? We're called to make winners in life. You know, in winners in life it is based out of 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And, it's, and it says this, that whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Say born of God. Born of God. Then verse 4 says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. Amen. Are you born of God? You know, and think about if you're born of God, that means you are righteous. If, if you're born of God, you are righteous. I mean, you know, my son, Bren, he's born of Justin and therefore there's a lot of, there's a lot of characteristics. There's a lot of likenesses that my son has that I have. Because because there's similar things. Also, we, we, we've been around each other. So there's some things that I have to watch that I don't need to do because I don't need him picking up some some of those things. Right. There's certain things. But but I'm telling you, God's nature is perfect. And if you're born of God, you know, the foundation of his throne is made up of justice and righteousness. And the, the nature of heaven, the nature of the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. Right. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So when we talk about being born of God, we also have to understand that we have received his righteousness. And throughout the scriptures, the apostle Paul communicates, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So the key to overcoming is, under, is, is by faith. But we live by faith. Why? Because we're righteous. And what we, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Amen. And we, we, we under, we overcome by the blood of the lamb because the blood of the lamb is what made us righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look, look at this in first 
First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9 says, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Let me read that again. For a great and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. A great door, effectual, is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. What was the Apostle Paul saying? Here he's saying, hey, I have great opportunities to reach a great multitude of people. That, that's what he's saying here. If you really look up what he's being saying here, what he's communicating is, is that he has a great opportunity, Art, to reach a great, oppor- a great multitude of people. But he says there's a great adversaries. You know, there's a phrase I used last week, and, 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 I, and it, more and more I meditate on it, the more and more it just burns on the inside of me. And I want it to really get on the inside of you. And it's the statement, the most important thing in, in the earth is for the will, to God, will of God to be accomplished. The most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. You say, well, what's the most important thing, Pastor? That's it. The most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. And, and when I meditate on those, that thought and I meditate on that statement, it kind of will kind of helps me prioritize my life. There's nothing more important than the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. And, you know, in, in life, we can we can have so many priorities, so many things, so many things pulling on us that that we can forget about the most important thing. The most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. You see, that was the most important thing for the Apostle Paul to fulfill was the will of God in the earth. And he's saying, look, look, church, there's a great There's a great door of opportunity, but there's also great adversaries. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to fulfill the will of God in your life. You know, just because there's a great call upon your life doesn't mean it's going to happen automatically. Sometimes people have the mindset of, uh, well, well, if if this if this was God, then then there wouldn't be any difficulties. (laughs) Well, tell that to the Apostle Paul. Meaning because it's the will of God, there's going to be great adversaries that are going to hinder you and keep you from his plan and his purpose for your life. And one of the things we dealt with last week is this whole aspect of fear. The fear of man. The fear. Fear will stop you in your tracks. Fear will, will keep you from stepping out. Fear will keep you from stepping out and obeying God. Fear will keep you from talking that person that you know that God's calling you to talk to. Fear will keep you from getting planted in a church. Fear will keep you from, from going further and deeper in relationships. Well, I don't want to get hurt. And I, I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. And it will keep you from stepping out into the very things that God wants you to step out into. See, if we're going to fulfill the will of God on our lives, we're going to have to overcome. And what we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, we overcome because we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus and the just will live by faith. The next verse, let me read verse 9 again. It says, for a great door and effectual is open to me and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timothy come... See that he may be be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. 
He said, there's great opportunities for me. And he says, you know what? Timothy and I are doing the same work. So that means Timothy has great opportunity as well. And he says, when he comes, make sure you tell him to be one translation says, be fearless. Why? Because Paul says, if you're telling him, telling them to tell Timothy, hey, if Timothy is going to fulfill his purpose, he's going to have to overcome this fear. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm looking for, I'm looking at a group of people that are overcoming fear. Amen. I'm looking at a room full of people that are overcoming fear. Amen. We, we, you know, th- this is for every one of us. This is, this is not messages just for a few select people. This is for every single one of us because I guarantee when you're about to step into the greatest days of your life, the greatest opportunities of your life, you're going to have to overcome this aspect of fear. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's go to Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We overcome. Hallelujah. We overcome. We overcome. Why? Because the most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. Hallelujah. No hindrances. Yes, there, there, there are going to be adversaries. Yes, there are going to be things that will try to come against your life and come against the will of God. But you are one that overcomes. You are one that overcomes. Amen. You know, Joshua had a great call upon his life. And a lot of you know this, this story, the story how he had followed Moses for so many years and Moses dies and God shows up and tells him that, that, hey, hey, Joshua, it's time to get up. It's time to go over and you and all this people to go into the land that I promised you. And in verse five, he says this, he tells Joshua, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So be strong and of good courage for you shall cause this people to inherit the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. What is he? No man, no man will be able to stand before you. Why, why would he say no man? Because it's the, it was the giants in the land. It was the people in the land. It was, it was the Israelites. It was his own people. It was, it was, it was people that were going to hinder Joshua from stepping out and stepping into the greatest days of his life and causing the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. And he tells him, he goes, be strong and very courageous. That's, that's faith. That's faith. Be strong and courageous. Faith. Me. If you're going to overcome this fear, it's going to require you to walk in faith. The only thing that can overcome great fear is great faith. Amen. Amen. You can't, you can't be full of two things. You can't be full of great faith, great fear and also be full of great faith. Great faith is what's going to cause you to step out even in the midst of fear. Amen. Even in the midst when, when you're not sure how it's going to turn out or how it's going to go. Thank you, Father. Verse 9. He goes, have not I commanded you? Be strong, vigorous, and very courageous. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's look at verse 13. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is giving you, hallelujah, rest and will give you the land. 
Remember, he goes, remember what Moses said. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is giving you rest and will give you this land. Remember what Moses said. What did Moses say? Let's go, let's go to Deuteronomy 31. Now, this is important to overcoming fear, overcoming whatever obstacle might be in front of you. The Apostle Paul said, there's great opportunities, but there's also great adversaries. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 31, verse 3. It says, the Lord, thy God, the Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord has said. Let's go down to verse, verse 5. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that you may do unto them according to all the commandment which I commanded you. Then it says, verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. Nor be afraid of them. Now, it's interesting, when Joshua heard, stand up, Joshua, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and God says, be strong and very courageous, that's not the first time that Joshua heard it. The first time he heard it was from Moses. So when God was speaking something to Joshua, when God was speaking to something to Joshua, it was reminding him of what his father in the faith told him. It was the one that he had followed that told him. So this wasn't a new thing that Joshua needed to hear. It was something that he needed to remember. It was something that that he knew that if I'm going to go into this next stage of my life, and I'm going to step into this next part of my life, If I'm going to step into the will of God for my life, I'm going to have to overcome this aspect of fear. I'm going to have to overcome every attack of the enemy. And he tells them, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them that you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Constantly they're hearing this aspect of fear not. Fear not, don't be dismayed. Fear not, don't be dismayed. Fear not, don't be dismayed. What I want us to receive today about overcoming fear and overcoming every obstacle, overcoming maybe the sicknesses, sickness that you're, you're dealing with, maybe overcoming offense, overcoming unforgiveness, whatever it might be, is, is we have to lay hold of this thing. It's by faith, but by faith in what? What are we having faith in? What was, what was Moses wanting to have faith in? It wasn't just, okay, just this abstract, be strong and courageous. But why would he be strong and courageous? What would, what would cause you to be strong and courageous? What would, what would cause you to be strong and courageous in the midst of facing the most difficult season in your life? What would cause you to be strong and courageous to step out of obscurity and step into something extraordinary? What, what would cause you to step beyond that? 
See, what was going to cause Joshua to step into something extraordinary was this revelation that he understood that God was going to be with him. See, that's where, that's what you have, we have to understand that if you're going to, wherever you're at right now, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with right now, you have to understand that God is right there in the midst with you. See, it wasn't just going to have this idea that Joshua all of a sudden now said, I can do this all by myself. I got this. I can take all this million people over. Moses couldn't do it, but I'm going to do it because I'm this great man. No, God said, as I was with Moses, what? So I'll be with you. So our faith is, has to be based in who is with us. Who's with, with us in the midst of our difficulty? Who's in the midst with us when, 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 when fear's coming again? Who's with us when we get that negative report from the doctor? Who's with us when, 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 when your best friend just left you? Who's with you when your parents abuse you? Who's with you? And so that's what we have to base our faith in. My faith isn't having to drum up this some sort of courage, drum up this internal courage. No, no, it's, it's drumming up this idea that God is with me. He'll never leave me, nor will he forsake me. So that's what we have to, we have to understand. That's what we have to continue to walk out because you'll never step into greater things until you know that God is meeting you and with you through it. And he's there on the other side of it. Now let's go to, let's go to Judges, Judges. I'm, yeah, uh, Judges chapter six. And I, I've talked a lot about, I've, I've talked a lot about um, Gideon through the years. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. But I want you to see something and then the Lord showed me something today because you're like, I thought we were talking about overcome by the blood of the lamb. We, we are. We'll, we'll get there because what, what, what you need to understand, I'm building on something so you can, you can see and lay hold of what the Holy Spirit wants us to receive today. Amen. Amen. Now, Judges chapter six, verse eight says, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. I'm reading the Amplified who said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. I drove them out from before you. I gave you their land and I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. What fear not fear, not the God of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So what, what is, what is God telling them here? He's saying, he's pretty much saying, you know, Moses, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. He got Moses out, out, out of um, the, the, in the children of Israel, out of the house of bondage. He, he gave them their land. That was Joshua, right? But verse 11 says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak. The oak. Now, it's interesting. I, I don't have a whole lot of time to deal with this, but, but I want to bring that. He, he said they didn't obey his voice. They didn't obey his voice, meaning there was there was a reason why they were no longer free. They were they were bound because of what they refused to step into. And fear will keep you from stepping into things. The fear of what everyone else is thinking, the fear of how these other nations might respond 
He said, I don't have a time, a whole lot of time to stay there. Verse 11 says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon was beating wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of courage. Get that. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of courage. Thank you, Father. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of courage. So, so what was going to cause him to be courageous? It's understanding that God was going to be with him. But let's, let's, let's look at what Gideon said. Because I believe this, this can be hindrances. In our, the same thought can be a hindrance in our own lives. And Gideon said to him, Oh, sir, if the Lord is with us, why is all this befallen us? And where are all his wonderful works of which our fathers told us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of the Midians. Now, think it. Listen to that attitude. It's kind of like, well, if all this great stuff happened, how come all this is happening to us? If God is so great, how come this is happening to me? And, and, and you have to under, and, and, but you have to understand it, it, it wasn't God that did it to them. They put themselves in that position. So if all, if God is so great, how come all these things happen? And the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, he's going to speak things in your ear to tell you what God hasn't done, what God should have done, how God won't come through, how it will never be better, how you'll always be this way, or that will never change. And that's what, that's what Gideon was in. Verse 14 says, and the Lord turned to him and said, go in this your might. I love that. He didn't even respond to his question. <laughs> didn't even respond to his question. Now, now, see here, Gideon, this is what happened. And that's what happened. He didn't like pat him on the head. It's, it's okay, Gideon. He pretty much said, <laughs> he, he said, he just turned to him and said, go in this your might and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Gideon said to him, O Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Behold, my clan is the poorest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Now get that. I am the poorest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. How can I do this? Now, okay, I hear what you're saying, God, but how can I do this? Because I am the poorest from the least, meaning we're the least in all of, all of Manasseh and I'm the poorest and I'm the smallest. See, how much do we do that in our own lives? We belittle who we are. We belittle. See, see when the enemy belittles who you are, it means you don't know you're righteous. See, when you know that you're righteous, it doesn't matter what family you came from. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter your current financial status. It doesn't matter. Why? Because my identity is based in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, and what I want you to see is Gideon had forgot his identity and where he came from. You're like, well, what do you mean? What's so big deal where he came from? Oh, everything. Everything. See, see, a lot of times, you know, we hear of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, we, we, you know of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, that, and those, are, those are people that had right to the covenant, right? Access to the covenant, right? And so, so we talk about covenant and we talk about, about, about the, the Abrahamic covenant. Yes, that covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Well, let's keep looking at the lineage of that same covenant. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Manasseh. He said, I'm the least in my father's house from the tribe of Manasseh. He was an Abizrite, which was a which was a family, which was a tribe inside of Manasseh. And get this, Manasseh and Ephraim were Joseph's sons. And in, in Genesis 48, verse five, Jacob says, I'm going to adopt Ephraim and Manasseh as my own. I'm going to adopt them as my own. So when you see, when see Gideon and the people, uh, the people that Gideon came from, they forgot that they were really had a covenant right to the same covenant right that Abraham had a right to. He was from the tribe of Manasseh. This is Joseph's boy. So when you talk about covenant and we talk about the blood of the lamb, I'm not talking about just, just the fact that, that, that this, this whole aspect that God is being with us is a covenant thing. You gotta realize when, when God made a covenant with Abraham, part of that covenant is that God would be forever with Abraham and the people of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Manasseh and Ephraim. And so, so we have to understand is, is this blood covenant that was cut between God and Abraham that God stood in the midst of. It was God making a commitment that I'll be forever committed to this covenant. And if I back away from this covenant, then my kingdom will fall. And so when Jesus, Jesus died on the cross and made that covenant, Hebrews said, it said he made a covenant and he said with, he said he swore by no other greater covenant. A covenant that couldn't change in a, in a covenant that would be forever. This covenant that we're talking about that, that even was through Manasseh, this, this covenant in, in Genesis 17, he, he talks about this aspect. It said this covenant would be forever. Psalms 105 verse 8 talks about this covenant and said this covenant would be forever. And it says to a thousand generations. So I'm telling you, this covenant that Gideon had access to, he had forgot who and where he came from. So I'm going to encourage you. It doesn't matter how you grew up, where you grew up, what happened to you before you made Jesus the Lord of your life. When you made J- Jesus the Lord of your life, you, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise. If you are in Christ, you are heirs according to the promise of Abraham. So you need to understand what God was telling Gideon. Let, let's see, see what he said here. And Gideon said to him, O Lord, how can I deliver deliver Israel? Because my clan is the poorest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you. Surely. Many, it's almost like because, because you're from the tribe of Manasseh. It's because of who you are. And even if you might consider yourself the least in the grace, the covenant right to those that are Manasseh is that I would be with them. Man. Fear will keep you back from your greatest moments in life. You know, David understood covenant. 
Psalms 42, you don't need to turn there, but Psalms 42 says, says this. He goes, I think it's verse five. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Why, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And what he, he, he's talking about his soul, his emotions were in fear. Let's, let's put that up. Some, uh, Psalms 42, I think it's verse 5. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Why are you cast down, O my inner soul? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? He's talking to his soul, his mind, his emotions. He's talking to, he goes, why are you, why are you cast down, my soul? He's talking to himself. And he says, hope in God and wait expectantly for him. For I shall yet praise him, my help and my God. Put this, put it up in the King James. Because it, it really... I love the way it explains it here. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And that word help for the help of his countenance, meaning because his presence brings salvation. Because his presence brings salvation. What is he saying? Even when I'm in fear, even when my soul is cast down, even when I'm going through the most difficult times in my life, what I choose to still hope in God. Why? Because, because I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Meaning I know it's the God that is going to be with me. That's going to cause me to win in life. Hallelujah. Let's go to, go to second Corinthians chapter one. And I'm going to. Wrap things up. Second Corinthians. Remember, first Corinthians chapter 16, Paul says, I've had a great door effectual. I've had great opportunities, but I've had many adversaries. Paul experienced a lot of setbacks in the natural things that would keep him from fulfilling his purpose. But Paul Knew and understood. He's the one that wrote that if you be in Christ. Then are you Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Paul understood. Yes that there's great opportunities. And there's great adversaries. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop just because there's adversaries. Let's look at verse 8. Of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. It says, for we were not brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. Think about that. Pressed out of measure and despaired even of life. Man, that sounds like that sounds like a bad day. That sounds like some difficulty. But I'm telling you, the most important thing is for the will of God. To be accomplished in the earth. See, when you understand his will is the most important thing, it doesn't matter what you might be facing right now. It doesn't matter the, the, the doctor's report. It doesn't matter what might be happening currently. It doesn't matter look like how many obstacles you might be dealing with. It doesn't matter. When you understand the will of God is the most important thing to be accomplished in the earth. Man, that burns on the inside of me. 
The enemy wants us so focused on all these external things, the things we deal with personally, the things other people do, what happens happening around us in, in, in politics and get you so focused on all these things that we forget about the most important thing. And that's his will to be accomplished in the earth. Because ultimately it doesn't matter what's happening in me, around me. You know what? The most important thing is his will being accomplished through my life. And Paul said here, he says, I was above strength in so much that I despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Now, when I first used to read that, it would be I had the sentence of death in ourselves, meaning meaning I I felt like dying and and so forth. You could you could relate that to that. But really, just he already despaired of life. But this next verse actually says this. But we have the answer. But because it starts with but but we have the answer. But. We have the answer, meaning in the natural, I'm despairing of life, but I have the answer. I'm experiencing difficulty. I'm experiencing adversity, but I have the answer. But I have the answer of death in myself. What? What's the answer? That we should not trust ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. But I will not trust in myself, but in God that raised the dead. Now get this. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver and whom we trust that he will yet deliver? See, he says we have great opportunities to reach a great multitude of people, but there's many adversaries. In the very next chapter, he's writing again to the church of Corinth and he's telling them, hey, we've experienced difficult things. We've had great, we've had great adversity. Now he's telling them how they overcame it. We had, we had the, we had the answer to everything that we were dealing with. You know what? You have the answer to everything that you're facing right now on the inside of you. You have the answer right now on the inside of you. And that answer is the same as it was for Moses. That answer was the same as it was for Joshua. That answer was the same as it was for Gideon. That God is with you. He said, we don't trust in ourselves, but I trust in the God that has the ability to do impossible things. He goes, he did deliver, he will deliver, and he will yet deliver. Meaning, yes, right now I'm going through something difficult, but but I want you to know because of the blood of Jesus, I am a part of this Abraham covenant. And because I'm a part of this Abraham covenant, he, he was delivering me, he will deliver me, and he will yet deliver me. So you need to understand and get a hold of a revelation of God's ever abiding presence with you because you are a child of God. There was a time when Jesus was ministering to a woman, I'm talking fast, but was bent over for, for so many years. And he said, he said, this woman, this woman who is a daughter of Abraham should be loosed from this infirmity. Man, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Why do we overcome by the blood of the lamb? Because it gave me access to a covenant, a covenant that he would be, he, he w- would be with me in the, in the past. He's with me in the present and he's with me in the future. I will yet trust in him. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Eric, come on up. Now get this. The apostle Paul made this statement. He knew this abiding presence. He knew this presence that was with him so much so that when he was on trial, when he was on trial, he said this, he goes, he goes, he goes, when I was on trial, he said, no one stood with me. He, he said, all forsook me, but he said, but the Lord stood by me. That's a man that knew 
even though he was in adversity, that God was with him. So no matter where you are today, trust he's with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.